Welcome to the Innovate CT Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick Wagner, and uh, I am the founder of Innovate Connecticut, and we are doing uh, another professional development webinar tonight. So uh, with these four amazing educators you see here uh, joining me, and we put this together. Um, I've done some professional development webinars over the past couple of years. We Innovate Connecticut, the whole mission of, the, of this, this organization is to share best practices and knowledge sharing um, from with educators, with other educators. So all of you guys do such amazing work. My hope is that we can have a bunch of th these four great educators share some of the stuff that they're, they're using from a distance learning perspective with some of the educators that are going to watch tonight. So that, that's really what we want to do today. Um, we've never done one like this before where I have five of us on at once. I've only done the, the other webinars I've done have only been me and one other person. So we are uh, trying this out. Uh, we're streaming live to Facebook and YouTube, and then we will release this. We'll share this on social media, on all of our social media tomorrow, um, the full video on YouTube if you missed it. And then we'll also re also release it in audio-only form on my podcast as well. So we'll get it out to as many people as we possibly can. Uh, we are going to be taking questions. So if anyone wants to ask a question while we're doing this, um, do not hesitate to post it either on either Facebook or YouTube in the comments. And I can ask it to any of these these uh, great educators. So, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll start by just a quick introduction, and then we'll kind of jump into the 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 very um, relevant topic of distance learning. So I'll just start, uh, Melissa. You're at the top of my screen. So, uh, Melissa, if you want to start, just a quick introduction, and then we'll go around the room. Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Melissa Tom, and I am a librarian librarian in West Hartford. I have been a librarian for five years. Before that, I was a classroom teacher for 12. I taught grades five and then four, five, and six in Hartford for six years. I am also currently the vice president of the Connecticut Association of School Librarians, and I'm really happy to be here with everybody tonight. All right, Michaela, you want to go next? Hi, I'm Michaela Durand. I'm a technology integration specialist for Trumbull Public Schools. I have been at Madison Middle School for the past five years. And before that, I was a technology integration specialist at two of our elementary schools in Trumbull. And then prior to that, I was an elementary school teacher at an elementary school in Trumbull and an elementary school in Weston. And I'm excited to be here with everyone tonight. Thank you. And then uh, Jessica? Hi, I'm Jessica Miller. I teach fifth grade in Weston. I have been in Weston my whole teaching career where I've also taught first grade and second grade. Specifically now in fifth, I teach math and science and we've been at distance learning for a while now. So I'm excited to share what we've been doing with everybody. And then lastly, uh, Taylor. Hi everyone, my name is Taylor Rye. I am currently the principal at Westbrook Middle School in Westbrook, Connecticut, um, and then soon to be the Granby Memorial Middle School principal starting at the beginning of next year. Uh, my entire career has been at the middle school level from being a teacher to all the way up to administration. Um, I'm very passionate about um, learning technologies and that's where I'm aiming to get my doctorate degree in. So I'm very excited to be here and, and share some uh, best practices. Thank you. Yeah, no, th I appreciate all of you, you joining. So I always make sure I share, I am not an educator. I, uh, I have an IT background. I'm currently working in HR, but I try to act as that connector to bring amazing experts like the four of you together to kind of share what you guys are doing with everyone else. So, so obviously we're in an unprecedented time. I don't think if um, anyone asked us at the beginning of this school year, if you thought 
for uh, most of March and almost all of April at this point, we would be doing distance learning with elementary school, middle school, and high school kids. Because um, it's a little bit different from college, you know, college students already do some of this distance learning, you know, by choice, right? Some of their classes being being online. Uh, it's a little bit different for these, the K through 12. So I think the four of you have very different perspectives having, um, you know, we have an administrator with Taylor. We have Jessica, who's, a, you know, you're an in-classroom teacher with fifth grade. We have Melissa is a, a librarian. And then Michaela is a technology integrator. I think I have that right. Hopefully I said yeah. that right. So I think we have a really good kind of spectrum of, of um, like view, uh, views and opinions on this topic. So Melissa, why don't we just start with you from a, um, a librarian perspective? What, what are some of the things that you're doing from a distance learning perspective to support your, your students? And what are some tips you might have for some other librarians out there? Um, I think that the first layer of services has really been to teachers. Um, since the day that we started, we started distance learning three days after we were out of school in West Hartford. So we got started pretty, like pretty quick after it all kind of happened. And we had a continuum of like understanding of Google Classroom, of Google Drive, of the technologies that students would need to use in order to access uh, the distance learning classes. We are using Google Meet in our district and teachers are holding live um, like meeting hours, office hours. So it's not just stuff that's posted on Google Classroom. It is asynchronous, but it is also students are expected to be online for their period of time. We have a schedule. And I've been really just one-on-one -on -one working with teachers to the first couple of weeks, just troubleshooting. I would meet with them and, and teach them basics of what they needed to do. And now in the last couple of weeks, we've kind of evolved where the librarians are offering PD. And so we have Wednesdays are when we offer classes of, we've been teaching teachers how to use different tech tools to make their teaching more dynamic and engaging. Um, and they get to kind of do just-in-time learning. So it's been a really interesting, um, I guess, evolution. And their comfort level has been um, very interesting to watch. At first, it was everybody was kind of in freak-out mode. And now people are kind of settling in and, and learning um, what questions to ask. And then this last week, we've really kind of focused on students. And so it's been this whole, like, layers of, as librarians, um, who is our population that we are serving right now? Um, and although it's always everybody, we've kind of done that that approach where we started with teachers, now we're moving to students, and I hope we move to parents sort of in the next iteration to try to get all of our stakeholders um, knowing where our resources are and how parents can best help their children with what's happening and just making learning as meaningful as possible. So that's kind of a quick overview of sort of how we've handled it in our district. Just real quick follow up, Melissa, and I appreciate you sharing that. From a, so, you know, obviously kids are used to, at least in the elementary school level, for I think for most elementary schools, library is considered a special and the kids get really excited to go to the library and then do all these fun things, right? Um, and it could be, you know, books, it could be reading, it could be other things you do in the library. How, what are you, um, like, what are you recommending for kids from a reading perspective? What, you know, for, for, for your kids during this situation, right? Is it, is it kind of just like, you know, read, read whatever you want just for fun to kind of keep it up? Or are you trying to work with the, with the teachers like Jessica, the classroom teachers to give suggestions on the curriculum for them? 
Well, obviously it's all of the above. Um, as a librarian, my first answer is always children should be learning or reading for pleasure and choosing books that they want to read. Uh, that's always what I promote first. And just the access, though, has been huge. So a lot of kids don't have physical books in their houses that they haven't read yet. The libraries are closed. So where do they go? Um, so we've been really sharing about how to access ebooks and audiobooks, both through the public libraries, through our school uh, digital collections. A ton of educational companies have really stepped up and are offering free resources from now until the end of June because of this distance learning, emergency learning situation. Um, and so, but beyond that, we're hoping to work with teachers. So um, now that they're kind of getting in the flow of their curriculum and they're sort of making the shift from physical um, print and text to digital print and text. We're trying to sort of curate different resources that might be beneficial and useful um, that are like multi-user nonfiction books or online textbooks. And a lot of our teachers have been using a combination of those types of digital resources and open-ended OERs. Um, so we're we're really trying to monopolize on all of those tools that are out there and getting them in one spot so that teachers know how to access them and right. students know how to access them. No, I think that's, I think that's a great idea. And I, you know, maybe we can, Melissa, maybe we can even share some of those resources that you mentioned with the free eBooks um, on Absolutely. social media this week to kind of, I know I've been trying to do a lot of that and just, you know, I think you're right. A lot of technology, I'm sorry, um, education companies have really offered a lot of things free for, for people, especially because there's a lot of, there's a lot of communities that don't have the resources that some of the communities in Connecticut have, right? So, um, so I think a lot of people have been stepping up. So I appreciate that. So why don't we, uh, we'll, we'll we'll pivot now to Michaela. So Michaela, you know, from a, I, I can't imagine how busy you've probably been as a technology uh, resource to all of your your educators right now in the school. So what what is your role as 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 like a tech expert within the school to kind of help with all this distance learning with all the educators? So kind of like Melissa was saying, my main role has been to pretty much just give professional development all the time um, <laughs> to teachers and, you know, to kind of troubleshoot problems with parents, especially when they're having trouble accessing online textbooks or they're encountering errors um, and with things like that and just kind of troubleshooting things with students as well. Um, the thing that I've kind of found to be the most successful since we've started distance learning is really using our faculty Google Classroom as a hub for our mm -hmm. virtual PD. Um, and so I kind of do that for a few reasons, one of which is it's nice to kind of not get as many emails through our staff distribution list because we can find everything in the Google Classroom stream. And it's really beneficial for our staff members to experience Google Classroom as a student because that's the platform that we use in grades three through 12 in Trumbull. Um, and so it's really nice because I can ask a question just like a regular classroom teacher would and I can then have them answer it, even if it's silly, like, what'd you do over the weekend? What's the best thing about not being <laughs> physically in school? Um, and then I can use that Google Classroom to take tech tip videos. And so I don't have to gray out student names or put like emojis on people's faces because it's all our staff members. Um, so for example, at our faculty meeting, we had a Google Meet last week and we were joking about how fun it was during the NFL draft to see into people's houses. 
um, and a bunch of the teachers had said that they really wanted to learn how to use Flipgrid this week. And so before I did my Flipgrid PD today, I had posted in our Google Classroom a Flipgrid just saying, show me something cool about your house or your favorite place. And so then our faculty members posted different things. And so it's really cool because then I learned really interesting things about some of my fellow colleagues who I did not know lived in such interesting places. And then I got to use the videos and reply during my PD today. Um, so for me, that's kind of been a huge help is kind of having the staff experience things from a student perspective because so many of the platforms we use, it is a different you know, end user experience. Um, and so that's kind of something that I've been trying to work on through this whole distance learning phase. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I even realized that there was uh, a, a Google Classroom for the actual educators. I didn't know that. So my son is in second grade and he's using Google Classroom, but I didn't even think, think that there was that for the educators. Well, there's not technically, but you can, since anyone can make a Google Classroom, yeah, you can, idea. you know, just have them as the students. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> no, I really like that. So what, um, from, from a technology perspective, because you and I were talking before, what are some tips you might have? I know you just mentioned the educators. Any tips for, for parents around the technology that you have seen have maybe helped uh, the students learn better at home, right? Because obviously, this is a huge shift for kids. I mean, kids, first of all, kids don't like their uh, their parents being their teachers, right? Because they listen to all of you way better than they listen to me. I um, mean, you all know that. But second, I mean, it's it's very different learning in the classroom versus learning at home because home there's a lot of distractions like the tv and your nintendo switch and toys and your siblings so any any tips from a technology perspective to help the the parents i mean i guess my biggest tip would be kind of like what you were saying a lot of the students that i've been talking to they say there's just so many distractions and they're not they need kind of a new level of organization. Like even myself, when I transitioned to working from home, I kind of needed like a new game plan. Um, and so I stress to them, find whatever way that you want to get organized and use a system. It could be a paper planner. I really stress using Google Keep because it integrates with Classroom and a lot of our students use it as an online agenda pad. Um, but I kind of just stress find what works for them. And then if it is some type of collaborative tool, the nice thing is they can just invite their parent to like their Google Keep or um, if, you know, they use Google Classroom, the parents can get the Google Classroom parent guardian summary and kind of have a way that the parents can be involved in that. Um, but I think for a lot of the students, um, at least at the level that I'm at, it's hard, the organization piece. And as an adult, I mean, I'm struggling with that working from home, so I can only imagine what it's like for them. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. Uh, can I just interject one, one thing that we've been telling our kids is, Get into a new routine. You have to figure out what your new kind of normal is. You know, like set a time to get up. You have a school routine if you have a schedule. Figure out where you're going to work in your house. If you have a lot of people in your house, you need to figure out where your space is going to be. That can kind of be like just your work area. And I just think those sort of regular rules for even homework, you know, like when kids would come home and you have to have a set established routine for where and when you're going to do your homework. I think those routines can be really helpful in this new weird normal. No, I think you bring up a great point, Melissa, because I was saying earlier, you know, I have a second grader, a kindergartner, a preschooler, and my wife and I have kind of divided and conquered and I've taken the second grader into my office with me. So we work in my office together and then she's taken the girls into 
you know, the office that she's working in. So I think breaking them up helps. And I think the other thing I mentioned to Michaela was um, my son has, um, he has, he has glasses, so he has some vision issues. And I think a lot of people don't realize that it, even if you're given a um, school supplied Chromebook, you can use your Windows laptop to do Google Classroom. And I've been using our big 27 inch monitor for my son who has vision issues. And that's really helped him because I think the thing that's, the, I think the biggest struggle for the elementary school kids and, and Jessica, you might, you might be able to add on to this as a fifth grade teacher. My son doesn't know how to type in second grade, right? Like he's, he's used a keyboard and he uses the mouse, but he doesn't know how to type like we know how to type. And even just navigating Google Classroom, they use it once in a while in, in class, but they were still using their paper planner. They were getting handouts. They were doing a lot of writing. And now all of a sudden everything's flipped on, on its head and he's living in Google Classroom. And, you know, I had to teach him how to cut and paste using you know, control X and control V in the short, the yeah. keyboard shortcuts. Like they don't know these things, right? So it's, um, that's been a real big learning curve for him as a second grader. And I don't know, Jessica, for your fifth graders, I don't know if it's, if it's the same for your fifth graders as well, but I feel like the elementary school kids, it's really hard to kind of throw them into this digital world. It is. And so much of this is the, the lack of social interactions that they crave. They just want to see their friends and, yes. You know, Weston was really great about in the beginning, they said, when we meet with our kids, it doesn't have to be academics right away or all the time. Like we've done scavenger hunts or would you rather or, you know, played hangman just to keep that connection going for the kids. Because if you can still have that with them, you're probably going to get a little more bang for your buck and they're going to want to try a little bit harder to try and figure something out that might be hard if they know that you're still there for them and their friends are still there and you know just balancing that is hard but luckily in fifth grade uh, most of our students are pretty proficient with google classroom i've been using it all year so that transition was pretty seamless but what's been new has been a lot of the tools that i have as a teacher have used for my instruction so it started out just trying anything and failing a lot <laughs> and if i had to give a tip to other teachers it's just fail and fail in front of your kids. It's okay. <laughs> in fact, they love it. They love to see me mess up. <laughs> like, here guys, I'm gonna share something with you. Can you see it? No. Okay, I'm gonna try again. Hold on. You know, it's just if they know that we think it's hard, it gives them permission to think it's hard, and then everybody's just sort of getting through it together. Slowly we've gotten to a point where I think everybody's feeling a lot more comfortable with the different methods and I'm more comfortable um, using things and, and we've settled into it, but it's, we all have to give ourselves some grace and just know this, this has been an overnight change. Real distance learning doesn't happen like this. Usually you've got a plan and you can roll it out and that's not what we have. So, and with that to the parents, it's okay for your kids to see that, that you don't know what to do either because we're all in the same boat. So, um, I would say just taking a breath and taking a step back and then regrouping is really important. I've had kids reach out and say, Mrs. Miller, I just, I cannot get this to you by 3.30. I was like, fine, go outside, play, do yeah. whatever you have to do. The work will be there. I, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about you. You're my student. You're the one that I wish I could see every day. So just being able to balance that um, has been really important these last, what, five weeks? Six weeks. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, so you you know it's interesting. You mentioned the like the, the. It sounds like you're doing Google Google Meets. 
um, with like your whole class uh, for everyone to kind of, you know, play a game or whatever. And my, my second grader, I would say they, they've been doing those as well with the whole class. And, you know, they might not necessarily know how to like, they don't know proper etiquette when it comes to having a, a virtual meeting, right? But they, wow. it's amazing how excited they get to see each other on video um, and just talk to each other because you're 100% you're right. They just miss each other immensely. Um, and it's funny because, you know, before all this, kids would complain, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. And now all of them want to go to school. It's like <laughs> they all want to leave the house and go back to school. So it's interesting how this entire thing has kind of shifted the mindset of a lot of these kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, so, so Taylor, from uh, so I think you have a different view of this because you're in you're an administrator. So you're yes. currently a principal. So yes. what what has that been like as a principal? Um, because obviously you're probably hearing a lot of story. You're probably getting a lot of phone calls from parents and emails, and you're in one of those like no win situations where it's like no matter what you do, you're probably going to get you know flack from someone. But how have you been dealing with this as an administrator, and how are you supporting your educators? Because I feel like that's you know that's your role as the administrator to do that. That's actually that's a great question. Really, the most important thing, and I and I was talking about this with my staff the other day, is we're three fourths through the year. So we have these relationships built where we know who the kids are. We know who um, who needs a little extra, or who is a high flyer and um, can do very well. So um, so we're very fortunate in that regard. But um, we, as uh, Jessica said, in my school, we were very familiar with the Google Classroom platform. So this wasn't, you didn't have that automatic change. Everything that we're using in Westbrook right now are tools that they've always used. So the familiarity is, is already there. Um, but from the selfish perspective, I mean, I stand outside every day greeting the students as they come in, and, and I don't get to do that anymore. So really the big thing for me is really just relationships come first, first and foremost. And I think all of us have said that in one way or another is that, you know, make sure the kids know, know you're there for them. Make sure that you're, we're in this together. Um, we literally went one week we were in school, the next week we were seeing each other virtually. One of the things that we did in Westbrook that I really um, am very actually proud that we are doing this is we actually have a structured time from 9 to 12 every day where kids attend periods. We do synchronous learning, whether it's 15 minutes with the teacher or some teachers just keep it open give a class assignment, but yet they can all see each other. It's just that connection of, of being, okay, like, hey, maybe I should ask this question or just looking up and seeing that somebody's there. So really it's the relationship piece that's really important um, for the kids, but also for the staff as well. Um, we really, you know, making them excited with staff meetings, doing virtual scavenger hunts, doing virtual spirit weeks or and as i think um michaela said early tell us something that's like about your house or something unique Let, let's really learn about you and so really um taking that relationship piece not just in the you can't go down the hallway and talk to that person we're not talking to them in the photocopy room anymore but really we have to make that extra effort to really go and talk to them so we need to find those opportunities as an administrator i feel like that is my job is to really foster those opportunities for the staff members, for the for and especially for the kids, um, and I try to send out a virtual message uh, once a week. Just I'm still here, um, and uh, just letting them know, know what I'm doing. Um, you know, these are some maybe this is something a new hobby that I picked up. My son taught me how to do a new um, trick, but uh, to show them like 
the the to really engage them in that personal aspect. So for the administrator standpoint, not just the designing and making sure everybody has what they need, but to really keep that morale piece too, because this is hard. You're stuck in, a, in one spot. You can't see your friends. You can't see your colleagues. And to really and to, and to be able to for teachers to bring it every single day, that's hard to begin with as in the classroom. But now to do it with all the distractions, that that's it's just that much harder. So, um, in, in, in short, it's a lot, but um, but it, it's definitely worth it. And I think that as each week goes on, we get a little bit better at it. I think you bring up a couple of good points, Taylor, especially, and I think this goes for all the educators listening, you know, taking care of yourselves is probably more important now than ever before. Uh, and to your point, Taylor, I mean, you all have exhausting jobs. Um, I don't know how you guys do it every single day. Like, honestly, I don't, but um, because it, it is difficult and you are, to your point, you are on every day, right? And your kids expect a lot out of you, but you, I know how hard, I know, I know how even probably more, uh, educators are working now from an hour's perspective than before, simply because they're trying to balance their families at the same time trying to teach my kids, right? And everyone else's kids. So, you know, I think for, for all for, for, for all the administrators, it's like, you know, I love the idea of checking in with your, your employees, uh, your, your educators, Taylor, and asking them like, hey, what do you need? How can I help? How can I support you? And are you okay, right? Yeah. So are you, you know, are you taking time for yourself? which, you know, I, I can tell you just from personal experience, my wife is, like I said, she's an SLP. You know, it's, it's you know, by the end of the day, I, I got to see how I can try to support her so she can, you know, have some alone time, right? Or, or you know, just, just unwind a little bit, you know, and just maybe not talk to anyone or um, just read a book and, 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 and have some time to herself. Because you guys are, when you guys are working with the kids, there's there's such demands on you because they need your help with everything that it that that takes a lot out of someone. So finding time for yourselves, I think, is is now is just so important right now. I can't stress I, that enough. And one thing I just like to add is it's so much harder because you're in you're sitting in your home, you have your laptop, you have your emails. I mean, before we had that car ride, whether it was five minutes or thirty five minutes to really decompress and and really think about your to reflect on your day. But now it's really important for all educators, administrators, even students to be able to just step away. And I think Jessica said, go outside and play. Like just take those 10, 20 minutes, just move away from everything. Because it's it's good for your own sanity. Um, yeah. to be able to you have to set effort. boundaries. You have yeah. to, because we can't be available 24 seven. And in the beginning, that's what I really felt I had to be. I had to get everybody where they needed to be and comfortable. Um, and you just have to really set your own boundaries and encourage the teachers and the students to do the same thing, I think. Well, that's something that, you know, and I, I've told you guys, I, I work in, in HR for my, my full-time day job. And we talk about that with our work-at-home population because we have a lot of people in my company that work at home full-time. And a lot of them will use techniques where they will shut the door to the office where they work during the day to kind of close that, 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 that yeah. like part of their life for the rest of the evening, right? Or the night, because to your point, Melissa, when you're home and we have, you know, the constant connectivity, it's it's a blessing and it's a curse at the same time, we, we can be connected at any point, right? So, you know, maybe maybe it means shutting the door to your office. Maybe it means not putting um, your work email, for, you know, your educator email on your personal phones. That's and it. Maybe, yeah, right? <laughs> And maybe, and maybe leaving it on your school, your school laptop that they gave you. Um, yep. Because again, if you have it on your personal phone and you're always checking your phone, you might be on Instagram for fun and then be like, well, I might as well check work email. 
Yeah. Yep. It happens. <laughs> so, so, I mean, um, so I, I, I have any of you guys, any, any tips from any of you on how to set boundaries, right? Because I think that's a challenge for everyone right now. Do any of you have any, anything that you can share on how you, maybe you've set boundaries? Um, because I think, you know, uh, I, I know um, uh, a few of you have children as well. So it's, I think it's even more important for those of us that have families because the kids want to see their parents. Um, I can speak from, my, um, you know, just being an administrator. I mean, it's already a hard job to begin with because you're getting phone calls well into the evening for various things. But it, it's really it's important to have that work life balance. And, you know, five o'clock hits. OK, I'm not checking that email. That email will be there in the morning. Um, and to really and to, and to stick to it. And, you know, I think you, you nailed it on the head to remove the um, email app from your phone. And, yeah, you know, if it's if it's an educational emergency, they will call. Um, but uh, but, yeah, really to uh, really adhere to those boundaries. And, you know, when you log off for the day, be done. So that's yeah. that's definitely something that I've learned in my administrative career. I think learning to prioritize is really important too, because just like Melissa was saying in the beginning, I wanted to fix everybody's problem right away, within 10 minutes if possible. And then after the first week went by, I had to send an email to all my students and their parents and said, I can't do it. I tried. I need an hour. I need an hour to get back to you. And for me, giving myself permission to have an hour was huge. And even now, like if I get an email that comes in and I see that it's just you know, it, it's a small thing and it doesn't need to be solved right away. Giving myself the permission to not answer it right away has been huge. But then on the flip side, just last Friday at like 4.15, I had a student email me and they were really upset about this project, this end of unit project that they were doing. And I decided that that warranted an immediate response. So at 4.15 on a Friday, I hopped on a meet and for 45 minutes, I sat with this student and I calmed them down and we joked and we talked and we... and it's about knowing when to make those decisions and and when to make a decision more for you as a as a person and and striking that balance is, takes practice so i want to i want to just throw this out to anyone that's listening um whether it's on facebook or youtube if you have any questions for our, our great panel uh feel free to just put it in the comments and we, we can definitely see if they, they can help answer those and while we're waiting to see if there's any questions you know i, I think one thing i wanted to ask all four of you is how do we how do we deal with 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 setting expectations for our yourselves as educators for the parents and for the students right because i i feel that these are obviously unprecedented times and i feel if we have unrealistic expectations for all three groups right the educators the parents and the students th this this may be even more challenging than it needs to be so any um any advice on setting expectations for any of those groups and how to do that well, if um, I just have to say the UPS guy just came to my door and I just got a book order and I'm so excited. <laughs> um, but for the expectation part, like one of the things that I just want to say and I want every group that's listening to to really think about is like this is an opportunity for us in education to shift a little bit. Um, I really think that we can focus on interest-based education and um, individualizing and what are you wanting to learn and what is the way you want to learn and just being more flexible in how we're delivering these learning opportunities to students. 
uh, because I think that's the key to joyful education. And you know, Nick, that's kind of like my tagline. Like I really think learning and school should be joyful. Um, and that doesn't mean it's easy, but it should be fulfilling and it should be something that we're wanting to do in most situations and motivated. Um, and I just think that there's so many opportunities for what we call kind of enrichment. And in, when we're in regular school, it's extra, but it just should be. It should just be what we're doing. And if you want to go on a virtual field trip, then do that. If you want to create a newscast, do that. If you want to create a documentary, do that. You know, and we can we can use the standards and we can use the guidelines of what we think each kid should learn in each grade level and what they should come out knowing how to do. But we can make it a little bit more enjoyable, I think. So um, expectations from me as a librarian might be a little bit different from an administrator, might be a little different from a classroom teacher or a tech integrationist. But I think we can all work together to come to kind of like a, a common idea and work together and interdisciplinary um, type of approach to really kind of bring education back to where I think it could be. Um just to piggyback on this, I've seen such amazing growth by teachers who have gone outside of their comfort zone. I've literally, I'm fortunate enough where I get to pop into classrooms every day, Google Classrooms, but <laughs> the, the, um, the, the way that teachers are stepping up to the plate, going outside of their comfort zone and just trying one of those little tricks is, it's, it's amazing. And I'm starting to see that shift uh, bit by bit. Um, and then also just to piggyback on is really, you know, mental health is really an important thing for, for these kids. We can play catch up in the future. That's our job. We're professionals. We can bring them to where they need to be. But right now, making sure that they're safe, they're, like, they, they have the essentials, that, that, that they are okay is really the most important. And once we get there, we can do anything with the tools. But um, that's definitely one thing I wanted to add is really, you know, if, if they're not in an okay place, let's get them there before we start really doing anything else. And to add on, like, it's not, it's not just ticking the boxes on the common core state yeah. standards. It's not just, did they learn this? Did they complete that? The amount of skills that the real life skills that they're going to have <laughs> coming out of this, are, right. I mean, yes, yeah. the situation is not great and it's stressful, but if we try and frame our perspective they're going to learn to be problem solvers. They're going to learn yeah. how to ask questions. They're going to learn. I, there's so many other things that they're learning here that if as parents, we can, you know, remind them, yeah, okay, so this is hard. Yes, but look what you know how to do now. Look at these other things you've learned how to do. Like my fifth graders are starting middle school next year. They're already going to know, you know, the importance of checking their email and how to do that <laughs> and how to respond <laughs> appropriately. And um, they've already had all these lessons just organically built in because of where we are. So yes, it's definitely, it's hard, but there's always a silver lining if we look for it. And I think if we remind our kids, listen, you've done all these great things, it can help them to feel like, okay, all right, um, I'll be okay. Yes. So we don't, we don't have any questions, but we do have um, some people that are just thanking all of you for, being on the panel, um, saying how, um, how, how much they appreciate their educators. Uh, one, one, uh, listener said that, uh, playing games with the whole class during Google meet is something the kids have been loving. Um, so I want to close with this. Um, what is your, and we'll start with Michaela. What is your, well, like maybe something like your favorite 
maybe web website or app or so, something that maybe a, an educator might not know about. You mentioned Flipgrid before. I don't know if that's what you're going to say, but what's something that a piece of technology that you could share with an educator that might make their lives easier or more fun or more enriching for the students? Um, I guess I'm going to go with a book, an actual book. Oh, uh, well, this is excited. Yes. <laughs> I love, I mean, there's, there's so many tools out there. Um, I mean, as a tech person, I just feel like we're inundated with all the free tools. Um, but I always like to think about, you know, is this the right use of technology? Like, do you really need technology to get to this learning outcome? I know, you know, we have to use technology as the means to deliver our instruction right now, but there's so many ways kind of in project-based learning um, and other ways that we can kind of have students learn. And so I love the book, The Innovator's Mindset. And I think like that to me is like my, my mantra. Um, and I know, you know, I'm just finishing reading the second one, but I just, I've been kind of going back to that book because the other day I knew it had something about reflection because I was really trying to, I mean, if, if there's ever a time to encourage students to reflect and even me, like, I feel like everything's moving so fast in some ways. Um, and so I would suggest if you haven't read The Innovator's Mindset, I think it would kind of give you some really great ideas and frame your, your thinking, um, you know, from multiple angles as a parent and as an educator as well. You, you really threw me for a loop there as the tech, the tech person <laughs> to recommend a book. That was interesting. Okay, cool. Um, we'll go to Jessica next. Jessica, what would be your uh, website or app you'd recommend? I guess the one that I've gotten the most bang for my buck on is Screencastify. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, good, and I'm glad I went first. <laughs> um, especially because they're offering a free upgrade um, so that you can record for more than five minutes, which is necessary <laughs> with teaching. But the way that I've used it is, so I mentioned to you guys privately before that when I'm trying all these new things or I want the kids to know how to do something, Screencastify allows me to capture my screen, but also can put my picture in the corner so I can be talking to them and manipulating my screen to show, hey guys, this is where you need to go to find your new math assignment. This is where you need to click to open this. This is how you do a Flipgrid. And they can hear me. And the other thing I can do if I want to make something asynchronous is if I use Jamboard, which is like an interactive whiteboard for Google, I can you know, be doing a math problem, but be recording it with Screencastify and then share it with them later. Um, I went through a whole bunch of other, <laughs> look, this is, I actually was using soup cans and my phone as your document camera, my document camera <laughs> uh, before I figured out, you know, what ultimately worked a lot better, but it's it's about like I said before, just trying until you find what works. And Screencastify for me has been overall the most helpful because I can use it to roll out all the new things that I want to try with the kids. Well, hopefully, uh, some other educator now can give up the soup cans and yeah. use Screencastify. <laughs> so that's cool. All right, Taylor, what, what, what's your what's your pick? Um, I actually have to say Twitter, um, and that's Interesting. and I think we're. I mean, we all are on it, and really the most important thing I get out of Twitter is the, is the connectedness with other people that are either in your same grade level or areas of interest and to share ideas and to collaborate. Um, I mean, just the whole um, can example that you shared, 
that's something that is innovative. It's neat, and it could benefit somebody in Nebraska or Connecticut or wherever. Um, but it's really important to be able to connect and to share ideas and to really take what works, what doesn't work. And um, it's just there's just so many great things out there. And actually, um, Michaela, to add on to uh, using Twitter, I actually had George Kuros come speak to my staff. Um, because we read Innovator's Mindset. I'm so jealous. <laughs> so, yeah, like, and it literally was like, hey, George, I'm having my staff read this book this summer. You want to come talk? Sure. If he comes to. again, you better invite me. Oh, you already did. This was last year. No, I know. Yeah. If you can't have him come again, you better invite me. Oh, uh, I will. It was, it was after, <laughs> it was over like a Google Meet, but, um, but it was awesome. He took questions and it was just, it was probably one of the most engaging things I've ever, but just because of Twitter. And it really takes down those barriers. And so that's why I, I really encourage if, you, if you're not on it as a teacher, get on there, just look and see because there's so much great information. Yeah, well said. And then uh, Melissa, we'll close with you. All right. So I'm going to do a little connecting because that's what librarians do. So okay. um, it's going to be about books and it's going to be about Twitter. Um, and one of the things that I think that people don't really realize is authors are very excited to talk to people, like all types of authors. And one of the things that I've tried to do, um, I have three virtual author events scheduled for the next six weeks. So I have one tomorrow, I have one next Wednesday, and I have one two weeks from next Wednesday. Um, and it's two of those, actually, all three of those are because of Twitter. So when you're on Twitter, you can connect with authors and publishers, and I'm always tweeting about what I'm reading and following different people. And these two authors who are pretty big authors, um, Natalie Lloyd, who is the author of A Snicker of Magic, which is one of my favorite books of all time, and Dusty Bowling, who wrote um, Insignificant Events in the Life of a Cactus, which it's you absolutely have to read. It's about a girl who was born without arms and kind of how she um, experiences middle school and new school. Um, and so both of those authors um, are going to be meeting with virtual book clubs because that was one of the things that I wanted to try to continue is just that that reading culture. That's something that I really do a lot of work with um, in my school and community and just getting kids to talk about what they're reading and books and, you know, kids who don't normally consider themselves readers. I, they join my book club because it's a social thing and it's, you know, we do what readers do. We talk about it. So Using that tool of Twitter, which is such a powerful tool, I can't agree with you more, Taylor. I mean, Twitter is like my bread and butter in my professional world. You don't have to be part of the negative side of it. There is a lot of negativity on Twitter if you're following the wrong people and you no. know who I am talking about. Um, <laughs> but if you just follow professionals and authors and publishers and other teachers and librarians, I get so much out of it every day. Um, so I think kind of like that app smash type of idea, um, just taking these different tools and using them. And then I also use Screencastify where I will record a visit if I have permission from the author or a guest speaker. And then I will have it so that kids who weren't able to be there live, it's just in time learning. And it can be in my on my website or on my Google Classroom and kids can watch it whenever they want. So kind of a combination of all those things. Yeah, so I was want I want to thank all four of you again for for making time. Uh, as I said, we will make sure we get this recording out on YouTube tomorrow, so we can share this with anyone who couldn't join. 
Uh, I thank you for everyone that joined that that watched tonight. I think we had we definitely learned a lot of great things from the four of you. And again, you know, I'm Nick Wagner. InnovateCT.org is is my my website. And the whole idea here is to help educators, right? That is why I do what I do. Uh, my wife, I said, mentioned is an educator. Um, I want to help her. I want to help my kids have great schools in Connecticut. So the whole idea here is is to let people like the Melissa and Michaela and Jessica and Taylor share best practices with other, other educators to hopefully make your lives easier, right? So it's if we can share all this great knowledge that you all have, you won't have to recreate the wheel. You won't have to redo something someone else has done. You don't have to go out and buy something on Teachers Pay Teachers um, when you know, or spend time you know, when you should be hanging out with your families or your friends creating, creating curriculum. So the whole idea is about knowledge and best practice sharing across the great educators of the state. So check out InnovateCT.org. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, you name it, we're there. So thank you so much to all four of you. I think you gave some great um, perspective tonight, some great ideas. If you would like to get involved with InnovateCT, please visit our website at www.InnovateCT.org. There, you can find links to our social media. We currently are active on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.